Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, I know people that are listening and watching this show today, if they've had a loss, they are feeling the topic of this show, which is forever changed, but still here. I love that, that name for the show, Heidi, because it's from a fabulous book that was written by Jennifer O'Brien, who's going to be our guest today. And I've got a book right here. Oh, I love that. Hospice Doctor's Widow, a journal. I'm looking forward to talking to Jennifer O'Brien today. Jennifer is no stranger to grief and loss. She has lost her sibling, her mother, and her husband. And it was her only brother that died um, at the age of 13. So she's had a lot of losses in her life of very significant people. She is the author, as you said, of the Hospice Doctor's Widow, a journal. And she has authored 45 articles. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. It's my pleasure and honor. I want to talk about resilience a little bit because you've had a lot happen in your life. And so let's check back to the time when your brother died. I guess that that was your biggest loss. Yeah, yeah, that was 1987. Uh, I mean, sorry, 83. I had just my brother and I went to a very small school in New Mexico. So even though he was five years younger, we, we went to the same school. And I had just graduated from that school and gone on to college. And about three weeks into my freshman year, I got a phone call that <clears throat> he had been in a motor vehicle accident um, out in front of the school. And, um, and he was in a coma for about three weeks, um, at which point there wasn't any brain activity, so he had to be extubated. Wow. That's pretty yeah. traumatic. And you were and you were 18 at the time. I, I had just turned 18. Yep. Wow. That's yep. really, that's really hard. So you lost your little brother. Yes. And I imagine that, did you at that time feel acknowledged for your loss or did you feel like you had to take care of your parents or what kind of things were going on? Oh, thank you so much for asking that question. Um, because I, I think that's, that is a big part of, um, sole survivor sibling or survivor sibling. I don't know any other kind, but um, yeah, you end up um, basically spending the rest of your parents' lives trying to fill the hole in their heart mm -hmm. and knowing, knowing you won't succeed, you know. And everything was on you because you were now the only surviving sibling at this point. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a lot on me. My parents were divorced about five years before David died, and oh, wow. so it was it was sort of this you know pivotal on me. They they weren't together with each other. Neither one of them ever remarried. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was it was um it was very difficult. My mother died of pancreatic cancer. She oh, wow. was uh, yeah diagnosed and 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 died five five weeks later. Oh my gosh, did she go into hospice? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you had had some experience with hospice. In yes, yes, her. definitely. So here you are, you've had a couple of, I don't want to say preparation, but a couple of experiences in life where you had to be resilient from your brother, 
now your mother gets cancer, you have to be resilient, you know, for her. And then your husband, fast forward, he has he gets cancer. What what's going on for you in your mind with all this, and and how did you, what did you pull up? Well, I th I think you you know as someone who has already had the unthinkable happen, right? When you get that diagnosis, um, uh, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of anticipatory grief. There's a lot of sort of um, panic and. Um, but you have to be strong because, right, he's, he's sick. And so, um, you know, being, being strong was just a big part of my makeup. And so I actually... How did you do it? What does being strong mean to you? Um, it meant identifying this opportunity to be with him until the very end and and be able to sort of keep my own um, full range of emotions that goes with that, um, kind of keep it in check so that we could have this really great time together. That, that you know, oh. really good, uh, good time. Bob used to tell his patients, it's called precious time. You know, death is imminent and you say what you need to say and you don't say, what you'll later regret because right you're you go on afterward but um, but i was wondering something jennifer yeah. i know you i know it was anticipatory but i'm wondering even though you knew that death was intimate it was gonna he was gonna die did you on some level still believe that there was hope that maybe he wouldn't die or no yes i think everybody uh, well i yes there's um when you first get that diagnosis, and especially now there's so many great chemotherapies, targeted therapies, and you start to think, yeah, why not us? Why not, why can't we be of the, you know, 3% that mm -hmm. get, that experience cure from this cancer? So you certainly start out that way of, okay. um, yeah, this could be us, and, and, you're, and you're sort of balancing that hope with that preparation you know mm -hmm. so what what about some of the angst we live in a very small town and i think that bob there were two things one is that he did not want to be the patient of his colleagues and you know he wanted his privacy and the second thing was interestingly bob had a lot of experience with end of life professionally but i was the one who had it personally mm -hmm. and so i knew that it always happens the way it's, I mean, not obviously not in trauma, but in illness, it always happens the way it's supposed to happen. And I knew that Bob wanted to die inpatient. He wanted to be in the hospital, not at home. Um, and he couldn't quite, I, I think he couldn't quite compute how that was gonna work. Um, and he didn't, he hadn't been through it enough to know what I knew, which was you sort of have faith that it, that it all, comes together. He passed away. You were holding his hand in his bed. One of the things that I thought was important was that you were asleep when he died. That was perfect because I was, I was holding my breath with every breath he took thinking, is this it? Is this the last one? And I, I relaxed and fell asleep. What I'm hearing from you is a couple of things. One of them is acceptance. Don't you think, Heidi? Acceptance of the life, death, the lifespan. Yeah. The other one is faith. That faith is pretty strong. 
that you feel that, you know, death and life will happen as it should. What about Faith now as a widow? I, I got out um, one day a few months after Bob died. A friend of mine said, let's go to this event. And we went and, um, and it was mostly women. And I, but there was one man there and he was an artist. And, you know, I'm an artist. And we started talking and I was explaining to him how, uh, how the, uh, we have a really great photographer here in Little Rock who photo photographs everyone's art, you know, because you have to have photographs of your art. And so, you know, just talking to him and, and this woman walks up and she sort of leans in and says, he's mine. Wow. And I, I, I had to, I had to walk, I burst into tears, you know, I, I didn't burst into tears in front of anybody, but yeah. yeah, it was awful. It was just awful. It was, um, I mean, I don't think she knew that I had just lost my husband. Well, another thing you talk about in the book, which Heidi and I have talked about a lot is that second year. Yes. You know, and that second year, what's, what, what's so important about that is I learned that in 1984, right? Like the second year my brother was dead um, was far harder than the first. The first year you're just getting through every first. You're getting through the first birthdays and the first holidays and that sort of thing. Um, and the second year, the reality really sets in um, and, and, it, and it is much, much, to me, it's much, much more difficult. Um, and so, yeah, I remember when in my second year after Bob, my husband died, all of a sudden one day kind of going, wait a minute, why is this surprising me? I've known this. I've even told other people, you know, other friends who have lost someone and kind of come around in the beginning of the second year and go, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And I've said, yeah, that's kind of how the second year goes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that was, uh, I guess it had been a long time and I'd sort of. I'd sort of forgotten that one. Forever changed, but still here and recognize right. again that we're still here and who are we now? Well, that's right. it. The identity piece is big. Huge. Because I think before you were a married woman and now it's like you're, you're a widow, but you're a, a young widow, you know? I mean, so it's like, who am I without my husband? I'm, I'm, I'm single. Am I single? Am I, you know, where do I fit into this world? Yeah, I've done a lot of work on, on the role thing because, you know, I was a sister, I'm not a sister, you know, I was a daughter, I'm not a daughter, at least a motherless daughter. A brotherless sister, a motherless daughter, and a... Husbandless wife. Yeah. 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 I mean, just identifying that. Yeah, yeah that's big. I think for everyone listening or watching this, just identifying who you are now, you know, and you are still that, you're still a sister, you're still a wife, you're still a child, you know, you're still the child of your parent, but this is what it looks like now. And right. how do I right. move forward with that? Right, absolutely. And the other role that I think is uh, lost when you lose someone to, um, you know, disease or, or condition is caregiver. So mm -hmm. you're spending, you know, a huge amount of your time, your energy, and your being taking care of this person. It's almost become your identity. And then he, 
he or she dies and now, yes, you're not, you know, husbandless wife and I'm a caregiver with no one to care for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, um, and so one of the, one of the big things I've worked on on this topic is, um, you know, what, what role can I have um, sort of forever? And that is friend. I know that I can be a good friend. Um, And in some ways, that was how the book came to be, because the book was my private journal. I never intended... By the way, all the pictures on the wall behind you are from your book, right? Yes. Yes, they are. I love that. On both sides. Hospice, Doctor's Widow, a journal. Yes. It's fabulous. And the pictures are beautiful. Right. And so I just started creating those and documenting my thoughts to as self-care you know to get through it and then um after bob died about a year and a half after bob died a very good friend of mine was diagnosed with an aggressive cancer and i took these pages that i printed on my printer to him and showed it to him and he said jennifer this is really helpful um and so it kind of went from there another physician friend said you know this will help other people. So in a way, I'm hoping that my, my book is, um, is a big part of my role as friend, you know, to people. Mm-hmm. And to sharing. People. Love it. Yes, to people who have lost and who are, who are caregiving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what comes up for me is creativity. And, uh, uh, you know, God creates. Um, that's your creative nature your godly nature, as it were, to create. So let me ask you, what are you working on creatively now? You're creating, helping other people and moving out and giving. Do you have any more plans for more books or more ideas? I am really glad you asked that, Gloria, because um, I am working on some creative stuff and they're mostly uh, through my website. My website is hospicedoctorswidow.com and you can either spell out doctor or DRS, no apostrophe. And, um, and if you subscribe, I'm, I'm, I've put together some, uh, a, a big art journaling prompt um, that you will be able to download for free and some other you know, newsletter, <laughs> um, some other sort of creative outlets uh, for folks. So. Well, thank you so much for doing, being on the show today, Jennifer, and you're, you're an inspiration. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Jennifer, and thank you for giving hope to so many people out there who have, ha- who have suffered multiple losses. And thanks, everybody, for watching and listening to the show today. And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Jennifer, always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please visit us at opentohope.com, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.